Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. Boog asked me if I would just share a few things, and he gave me three or four Sundays and said, any one of these Sundays works. And so I said, how about this Sunday? What are you preaching on? What's the focus? What's the message? And he said, we're talking about community and Acts 2.42. So it just so happens that I have a lot I can say about the blessings of community. And before I get into that, I want to quickly share two scriptures. The first is Acts 1.8, which says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And the word that I, I want you to remember there is witnesses. And then as I transition here to Acts 2.42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And the reason I'm kind of tying those two verses together is because that's what I want to witness to you guys this morning is the beauty of an Acts 2.42 community. I've been so blessed in my life to have been surrounded by great friends, great community in various times throughout my 30 plus years following the Lord. But I want to share specifically about one of the more recent experiences I had. When we began Branches 10 years ago, roughly, we started a number of small groups, and I was part of one of those. And it lasted six, seven years, roughly, but we had a beautiful community of believers who were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. And over the past few days, just a flood of memories have been coming to me about experiences I had with these people. And over the life of this group, it changed quite a bit. There were, I was trying to count, maybe more than 30 people who were a part of the group over the years. But a core of about eight stuck with it for most of the, those six or seven years. And every time someone new came in, that person was welcomed, was greeted, as if they had been part of the family, our little community, all along. And as if we wanted to love that person into our community going forward to share what we had. And I wrote down a few examples as I thought of each of the four parts of Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And we generally tied ourselves into whatever small group Bible study was going on here at Branches, and we would do the questions. So usually it was the Bible, the apostles' teaching, but it wasn't always. One time we did a study which lasted 10 weeks or so, 
a Dave Ramsey study on money. One time we did a study on poverty. And one time we just watched a mini-series called The Bible. So for six or eight weeks, we watched the New Testament as someone interpreted it on TV. We devoted ourselves to the apostles' teaching, whether that be actual scripture or interpretations of scripture or somebody's opinion on how we could live better biblically. Fellowship, this was the really impactful part for me because the community I was a part of, the small group community, made me the man I am today. And for years, we were a part of one another's lives on a weekly basis, if not more frequently. And it involved, among other things, supporting different organizations. Like we went to several Young Life events together. Birthday celebrations. We saw some breakups, like relationship breakups. Weddings. I stood next to a guy at his wedding and I was humbled because our only connection was that small group. And yet, he said, I want you next to me on the most important day of my life because of the family that we had. Babies, death, we mourned together for one another. We cried with one another. We almost, we almost lost one of our members of a group, he was involved in an unbelievable motorcycle accident. We visited him at the hospital. When I went to visit him, I thought it might be the last time I'd see him. He got married about a month ago. He's great. His life has never been more blessed. But we as a community were there and we were with him. Praise God. We saw jobs come and go. We saw schooling. We saw baptisms. I was reminded this morning as I was sitting here, we, we baptized a member of our group one time and perhaps underestimated the power of the ocean. <laughs> and we, we literally almost lost her to sea because I was holding her hand and she was getting dragged away. And if you're looking for another witness to this story, Tyler can attest to it. We were just talking over here. He said, oh, yeah, the waves were so good that day. <laughs> but the point of all of that is we were a family, and we were doing life together, and it was beautiful. We saw divorce in our group, and it's awful. But God is good. The breaking of bread. We did communion together. Sometimes, not, not every week, certainly not regularly, but several times over the course of our family group together we did communion. I remember having communion one night as Boog was in the hospital. And our whole small group was, we took communion and we prayed. We prayed for an hour and a half, the eight or ten of us that were there. But breaking of bread is more than just communion. It's actually breaking bread together, and we used to eat a lot together. As a precursor to my marriage, 
the first time I did Korean barbecue was with Tyler and my small group. And it was just part of doing life together. The reason it's a precursor to my marriage is because my wife is Korean. Uh, but it was life. We ate together. Every week, someone brought dessert. I got in trouble once because I was bringing dessert, and I brought ice cream. And a couple of people were like, oh, don't say you brought vanilla. And I'm like, I brought vanilla. But strawberries, too. And like, oh, I knew you were going to bring vanilla ice cream. And they knew that because they knew me. Because every week for five, six years, we met together. And we did these things. I stand by my decision, though. <laughs> Fresh strawberries and vanilla ice cream? It's fantastic, right? Come on. And prayer. We prayed one another through the tough times, through the glorious times. We prayed one another to raise money and send half of our small group to Africa to build a playground. We raised, well, we, we didn't personally raise. The Lord provided $20,000 for those five people to travel. And it's largely because we prayed it. We prayed relationships, we prayed healing, we prayed forgiveness. We prayed every night, well, every, every Bible study night. And I, it got to the point where I started a prayer journal because I wanted to see God's faithfulness. And I just wrote the prayers down. And as I look back and reflect on those, it's amazing how God is faithful. And he doesn't always answer our prayers according to what we want, of course, but he does answer, and it is always good because God loves us. And he calls us to community, not just hanging out with friends, but a community like it talks about in Acts, where you can look at the apostles' teaching, where you can have fellowship where you can break bread together and pray for one another. And if you don't have that, I would encourage you, find it. It's hard. It really is. I had the benefit of, of being part of the group when it started and knowing that Tyler was going to be there with me, so I felt a little more comfortable. But we had people just show up and not know anybody and take a step. And that's hard to put yourself in a new group, but... What have you to lose? If it's not the right fit, don't go back. But maybe it is the right fit, and maybe it'll change your life because God loves you, and he loves you into and through a biblical community. Let me pray for us. Father, we're so grateful for the many things that you call us to and the many blessings that community can provide. I pray for each person here that they would find what you have in that community. In Jesus' name, amen. Sorry, I didn't mean to preach. It looks like I went on a little longer than I thought, but, but I was a witness to God's goodness, and it's hard to stop talking once I get started. Please stand, greet one another, a handshake, a hug, a high five, whatever's appropriate. Um, you have your Bibles. We're going through Acts, which is not a shocker, but um, when we're here in Acts 2, 42 through 47, yes, we'll be here for a few more weeks in just that section. But as we're there, we have to realize what's happening. 
Jesus said he would promise that the Holy Spirit would come, his advocate, his counselor, the Spirit of God would come. Well, that's one thing to say it, but you kind of need some evidence, right? Like it's one thing to say, hey, this is what's gonna happen, but you need to see, Rob, your hair looks amazing. I was over there, I was going, who's that guy? And now I see it's Rob. All right. Um, sorry, but that was, that was, he just looked so beautiful, it threw me off my game. So you need to see evidence, right? Like as you get older through life, you realize what people tell you, you just don't trust it anymore. You don't trust it from the television. You don't trust it from music. You don't trust it even from family or friends. Like, okay, I'm hearing what you're saying, but I need to see it. And so what we're seeing here in Acts is that we're going to see the evidence that the Spirit is present. When it comes to seeing evidence, I was thinking about it like in my own personal life, and there's so many examples, but there was a, a, a kind of a fun one where when I got out of the hospital, they had me on this high, high dosage of steroids. And when they give you that many steroids, especially this particular one, it does all kinds of weird things to your hair. So like I lost the hair here in like patches, but then on my arms, I was like a gorilla. It was like, I had to start shaving my arms because it, was, it went black and it went huge. And then on my head, it became really thin and actually became ginger. So I had like some ginger stuff going on. Anyways, everything was going on and so Steph was very concerned. Um, and so she found someone and, and she gave me this like shampoo. This is gonna make your hair thicker. And it's going to help you keep what you have. Men, have you ever heard that before? You ever seen that before? Now, as a man, you most of us have this issue is when we get older, we look in the mirror and we see the front. We're like, it's all good. That's because we can't see back here where it's all disappears. Like God's gift to some of us. Like, no, I look fine. So you walk around with confidence, but then everyone else is like, what's going on? So she could see the what's going on. And so they gave me this and then I put it on. And like after a few months, like nothing happened. And I'm like, this stuff doesn't work. So our good friend that gave it to us, I'm like, have you seen any evidence of this stuff working? Oh, yeah, for sure. The person that was selling it to us told us it would do all this. And I was like, wait, that's your evidence? Like, we all have that experience. Don't us what we do. I need to see it happen. And so when we see this here, it's one thing for the Lord to tell us, hey, the Holy Spirit's gonna come, something you have no idea what I'm talking about, but the Spirit's gonna come and it's gonna fill you and it's gonna interact with the whole community. My Spirit, I'm giving to you. It's better that I go away so that the Holy Spirit will come. So just trust me on that one. Trust me even though you haven't seen it and you don't know it. Well, as we look here in Acts 2.42 and we see these people, these people the evidence of the Spirit is how weird these people are. I mean, listen, let's look at this. Let's look at these people here in Acts 2.42, this church. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostle teaching. This is right after Pentecost. They devoted themselves to the, the apostles' teaching, Jesus' teaching, and to fellowship, as we talked about last week, as Derek talked about, being together, being unified, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe, at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. Now, this sounds great, because it's good. There's nobody, whether they're spiritual or non-spiritual, religious, unreligious, is going to look at this and go, mm, I don't know, that doesn't look right. 
I mean, that just looks good, right? And then it goes on. These people who were filled with the Holy Spirit, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, not just the people in their church, but the people outside. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so as we look at this, as we look at this group, we see the evidence that the Spirit was there because they're weird, weird in a good way, weird in the way we all want to be. So what we've been doing is looking at pieces, pieces of this uniqueness, of the, of the evidence of God's presence. And what we're gonna do, as we've done each week, is we, we kind of look at this big picture, like we just did, and then we're gonna shrink it down like in a microscope and look at one part. And so the part that we're gonna look at today is the breaking of bread. That's the only thing we're gonna look at, the breaking of bread. But before we do that, we need to talk about the difference between worship and praise. We can't just jump into it. We have to talk about the difference between praise and worship because there is a difference. Now, most of us don't know the difference. We don't think about it. We just kind of lump them together. Like when we say, hey, we're gonna have a time of praise and worship. Sounds good. Nobody says, well, now, wait a minute. Are we doing the praise or are we doing the worship? Right, like when we say, hey, we're gonna do tithes and offerings. We'll talk about that later, not this morning. Tithes and offerings, like they're the same thing, but they're not, they're different. But we throw that stuff out. We don't know, we don't wanna ask questions, so we just move on. But this morning, as we talk about the breaking of bread, it's about worship. But to look at that, we've got to look at what is praise and what is worship. So this is, this is the easiest way to think of praise. Praise is an expression of thanksgiving. It's an it's a, it's a expression that you give using words. You can use music. Um, you can use instruments. Um, as Jesus said, if you don't give praise, even the rocks will shout out. So it can be a shout. And it's not, you don't just give praise to God. You can give praise to anything. You can give praise to the sunset. You can give praise to your spouse, to your kids, to your friends. And you can use any of those things, right? You can, you can write them a song. Usually what you do is you give them words. You can give praise to your favorite sports team, right? We all know it is the fit. I don't know why we do this, but that's, that's praise. Yeah! You did well! And we all know it is to do the opposite, right? It looks in all different forms. But that praise is something that you give and it doesn't take anything from you. It really doesn't cost you anything. But you recognize it and you give it. And so in praise, when we give it to God, we're recognizing who God is and what he's done. That's thanksgiving. So it's really tied in with thanksgiving. And it's all through scripture, so we're not gonna take all the, say, hey, look at this example of praise. Look at this as an example of praise. But it's everywhere. But worship Worship is different. So with worship, it's, what worship is, is, is it's not just a one-time thing. It's, it's, it's a lifestyle versus an occasional event. Worship is an element of surrender. So that's why they say, whatever you worship, you will become like it. It's whatever that you wanna sacrifice to, whatever you wanna pour your life into, Whatever you're going to give up your life for, that is worship. And it costs you 
In fact, the reason we're bringing this up is because communion, the act of communion is an act of worship. And the reason that they would break bread and have this time of communion over and over and over again was to remind the community this is who we've given our life to. Willingly we do this. It's not like, oh yeah, we better worship. Let's go and do this. It's like, no, we want to do this. And so it's a surrender. Um, Another way to look at it is when Jesus, when he was being tempted, Satan said, worship me and all this is yours. He didn't say, hey, praise me, say something nice about me and I'll give all this to you. Worship me, surrender to me and all this is yours. And do you remember what Jesus said? He said, man shall worship God alone. And so this idea of worship is this surrender, saying, God, I surrender to you alone. When David said, the Lord is and has been my shepherd, that's, a, that's, a, that's an element of worship. He's thanking him all through there, but it's an element of, Lord, I've worshiped you, and I worship you now because you're my shepherd. You're the boss. You're the Lord. That's what it means to worship, to surrender and say, you're in charge. And in that act of worship, as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're saying, Lord, I'm not gonna step this way unless you tell me. I'm not gonna purchase this property unless you say I should. I'm not gonna marry this person unless you give the A-OK. I mean, think about it. When it, It's almost, it's that, that old, I, I didn't think about it until just now, but that old tradition, which shouldn't be an old tradition, where when a man wants to marry a woman, he has to go to the dad. And, it, and if he tries to, hey, I just want to, no, no, did you talk to my dad? Like, it's that kind of, no, I've, I, I've chosen as the daughter to be underneath my father. Did he give the A okay? It's that element, that's what worship looks like. And that's important as we move forward here because we can worship other things. We can worship our spouse. We need to praise our spouses, but you should not worship them. We should praise our kids, but we should not worship. There's people that we look up to and we can praise them and admire them, but not worship them. And so we look at this community and they're worshiping only God. So what does that look like? And so we're gonna shrink it down and look here specifically at what it means to break bread. So we know that praise is entwined with thanksgiving, right? Well, worship is entwined with the word surrender. And so what we see happening here is this breaking of bread, it's different. And we're gonna see it as you continue to read through Acts 2. So as we go to Acts 2, 46, it says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And they broke bread in their homes and they ate together. So it's separating out those two. I mean, it's not like Luke's trying to say, hey, so they broke bread, and in case you don't understand what bread is, and then they ate it. No, he's trying to say there's two separate things that are happening here. They broke bread. When Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he said, do this in remembrance of me. Or as Paul said it, Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took the bread, broke it, and said, eat. This is my body, which was broken for you. And then he would take the cup and he said, this is my blood which is shed for you. 
And then do this in remembrance of me. It's an act of worship. Do this in remembrance of where you stand. Now, in this act of communion, as we see here, they are different. I've shared this several times at weddings. Um, It's this beautiful picture that someone shared with me a few times. And if when, in, in the time of Jesus, when a man held the cup, Okay, so remember Jesus, during, during uh, that night, he held up the cup. Well, when they saw that, they knew what that symbol was. Because at the time of Jesus, when a man wanted to propose, he would hold up the cup. And if the father gave permission to the daughter, then she would take and drink of the cup. So what that is symbolically for us today if right now, during worship, we had a couple that was on the, t- the worship team, which we don't, by the way, but let's say we did. Oh, wait, I have to go through it. Nope, no couples. So if they were up here, and all of a sudden, the guy said, hold on a second, and he dropped to one knee and went like this, we'd all know what that meant, wouldn't we? Oh, my gosh! And everyone would pull out their cameras, and the artist would start sketching it out, because right now what's happening is there's a proposal happening. And if you go deeper into that proposal, when you see that, we don't always think, we go, oh, they're proposing. But if you really step back, if you're a parent in that situation, you're like, oh, my gosh, everything's about to change. Because this person, if this woman says yes, then she's saying, I trust you. And I will submit my life to you. And as we've talked about plenty of times in Scripture, when a, when a husband or a man is saying, I will be your husband. He's also saying, I will submit to you. And as Christ loved the church, I will die for you. And so when Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, held up that cup, they knew what that meant. For them to drink that was saying, yeah, you're the boss. And we will, they didn't, they didn't fully understand that he was gonna die because they just didn't wanna believe it. But Jesus laid it out. As you break bread, as you take of the cup, do this in remembrance of me. That in itself is an act of worship, an act of surrender. And it says that they did this all the time. It said every day they continued to meet. They met together, not just, hey, they met together in the temple courts. The temple, the one big like, like we just don't have a, in, in our time, we don't have something that matches the temple. Like, you know, like for here in our area, probably in the U.S. actually, Saddleback is the biggest church, right? In this time, it wasn't the biggest church. It was the church. Like, there isn't even a, a, a modern-day comparative. It wasn't a mega church. It was, this is where it all goes down. This is where the presence of God is, at the temple here. And so these believers, which is crazy when you think about it, they kept going back to the temple because some people would go, you're a cult. What are you doing here? No, we're still Jewish. We just believe Jesus the Messiah, and you don't believe that. So that's why they went to the temple, and they would go there all the time. But we miss this. They met together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes also. You see, they did both. Today, there's this, this current of argument going on, like, we don't, 
We don't need to meet in homes. All we need is we just need to be at church on Sundays. That's all. And then some people are like, church is dumb. I'm deconstructing. We just need to be in homes. We need both. When we planted branches, which is still weird to me, we started in a home. We started in their front yard. Well, we started in the living room. That didn't work because we outgrew that. Then we had to meet in the living room. I mean, out in the front yard. And then the launch team met here in this space. And during that time, I said, you know what? Forget this Sunday morning thing. We could do whatever we want. Let's just meet in homes. I was that guy. And so we did that. We did it for several months. And it, I just knew deep down something's not right. Like, I couldn't put it into words, but something was missing. And so there's this fullness here. They, they not only gather for the more formal worship, which this is what this is called, but they would also, which is funny that we call this formal worship, but this is our formal worship, but they would also meet in homes. And they were worshiping in both places and they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. We won't go too deep into what it looks like in both places, but there is an element of, of, of formalness and informalness, but in both, there's both praise and worship. And it doesn't mean they always got together in home and go, okay, now it's... Uh, 6.15, like when Greg's talking about his home group, they didn't say, okay, right now, now we're gonna sing three songs because we have to do that. Let's do some praise. Then we're gonna move to the, it was, but it was, it was part of who they were. I was with my friends yesterday. They, 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 uh, they knew I hadn't been feeling well, and so they swung by the house. And as we're there, we're just talking, we're, we're part of the same life group. And I didn't say, okay, well, now that we're all here, let's pray. I didn't say, hey, now that we're here, does anyone have a guitar? Like, it doesn't, we don't always have to be so clunky. It's this lifestyle of worship. It, come, it seeps through and we can't help it. We started talking and we're talking about our family and we're talking about our kids. And then we said, I don't know what to do here. And we start, scripture just naturally comes up because we study Jesus' teaching and that comes and informs our life. And then um, since I'm the resident pastor in our life group, because they go to all different churches, uh, I started talking about this great thing that I found out that I'm gonna close with. And I started sharing that with him. I'm like, wow, that really fits for this place in my, that, this place in my life and that place. And it's being together. There has to be both. We try to hear branches just to do one and just to do the other. You have to have both. So I wanna close with this. Do you have this rhythm in your life? We look at this early church, and I don't think there's any of us that would look at that and go, what is wrong with these people? To some degree, we may look at them and go, I can't maintain that. Like, we assume, oh, they did this perfectly, and they did it all the time, and they never stopped, and they never had times where they dropped the ball. No, it was this, they were devoted to it. They didn't base it on their feelings. It's like marriage, as we've talked about. Marriage is a decision. Love is a decision. It's not a feeling. So they didn't do it because they felt like it. They were devoted to it. They were devoted to this rhythm, to this pattern of meeting together in the temple courts or in our places on a Sunday morning. And they were devoted to meeting in each other's homes. And in both places, there was an element where they said, we are gonna be devoted 
to studying Jesus' teaching because we believe that his words are the words of life. And in that, they also would commit to each other, being unified, whether they felt like it or not. I'm gonna figure this out. Jesse was talking about the men's retreat. He goes, man, we were a bunch of weirdos together. I can't call it the men's retreat because it wasn't a retreat. But he said, there were so many mismatched things, but when we got together, something happened. There was that devotion to being together. And then God will create the unity. And as we look here, there was a consistency of breaking of bread, which is worship, which is communion. So I was trying to think of a picture that describes this. And I think there's two pictures. There's the word picture, and then there's a visual picture. So I want to share the visual picture first, and then I'll close with the word picture. So um, what I want to show you is something that I learned just recently, and then this Sunday, I was like, this is the Sunday to share this. If you've never seen the Redwoods, if you've never been to the Sequoias, it's one of those things you, you got to put on your bucket list because we can show you pictures of it, but it's not the same. And so what happens is, is, is it's this enormous, well, one Sequoia, and there's three different versions. One of them is deciduous, but they're huge. I mean, they are as wide as a sprinter van, if not sometimes even more. They're just so wide, and they can go up to 350, 400 feet tall. But they have the shallowest root system. And so what sometimes will happen, it doesn't happen all the time, but it happens sometimes, one of them living will fall. And when it falls, it's still alive. But as it's, as it's giving up its life, the branches will go out. And this is what they do. So I, I don't know if you could see this super clear, but the branches will start to go and create a root system. And then that root system will then turn into other trees. In fact, about 80% of the redwood trees that you see, like for example, up in the sequoias, they're all pretty much from the same tree. It's not from seeds. It's because a tree would fall and then it would plant. And then another tree would fall and it would plant. And so they're all coming. They all have the same DNA. They're all related because of the very first tree that made the decision. Well, I don't know if it made the decision, but it fell <laughs> and it was living. And then from that, these branches go out and it creates other redwood trees. And so you can see them sprouting up the top, but you see the root system, and it's going underneath. And the cool thing about the trees are is that their root systems are so shallow, but they can get so big. And I mean, they're the biggest trees ever. And the reason they can get so big is because they share all of their root system. So they're all intertwined, and they communicate with each other. So if one tree is sick, the other trees will literally share their resources with that one tree because it's almost like they have this motto, if, if one makes it, we all make it. They're all contributing to each other. I mean, Greg gave us that picture, didn't he? He gave us that picture of all of his groups and the different people that have come in and out of that group, but the way that they intertwined and shared with each other. 
But the primary reason that I wanted to share this picture, this visual picture, is because what happens is the tree will fall, and most likely, what typically happens, they don't just come straight up out of the tree, like the picture that you see here and the other one. Those are the rarities. Because usually the root system goes down and underneath, and then they create this trees, And then they, 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 they become a big circle. And when you see those circles, they've given them a name. They call them cathedrals. So when you see the redwoods circled up like this, they're circled all facing in. And that tree that fell, that living sacrifice that fell, it begins to dissolve over decades and centuries. And yet all the trees are circled, facing in, facing each other, to that place where that redwood tree that gave its life was. That's what we do when we come together to worship. I mean, as I see this picture I can't help but think of all the different circles in my life of other believers where we're a living cathedral. And in the center is Jesus. That's what worship is about. It's about him. It's not about, hey, can we get in a system where we can help each other and give to each other? Let's get in a really good club. All of this exists because of he who loved us and loves us and gave his life for us. So what do you do with that? Well, I want to ask that we do this. What it says in Romans 12. Now, I have this memorized in a different translation, but I put it in this translation because I, I think it's said really well how we've looked at it today. As I memorized it as a kid, when the Lord finally, this was the verse, that, this is my life verse, and this is how he grabbed hold of me. And the first part, I never could understand. The second verse, I understood really well. But the first part, therefore, brothers, in view of God's mercy, give yourself as a living sacrifice. It always, I was like, okay, let's move on to the next one. Tell me what to do. But when you see that cathedral of trees, they're in view of God's mercy. They know God's love. They see that sacrifice. And because of that, they can then choose to become living sacrifices. We can choose to become living sacrifices to him and to each other. And so in this translation, this is how he says it. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. And I, I close with this because I'm pleading with us. I'm pleading with us as branches. If you're visiting from another church, I'm pleading with you to do this in your church. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And as we do just about every time we look at God's word, anytime you see the word you, that's plural. He's basically saying y'all. I plead with y'all. 
So it's not individual. Then you will learn to know God's will for y'all. I'm gonna invite the worship team up to guide us in praise and worship. Father, teach us to praise. Teach us to worship. Teach us what it looks like to break bread on Sundays and in homes. Lord, give us a clear picture of your sacrifice. That's why this early church was able to devote themselves to it. Lord, give us a clear vision. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. What an awesome service today. Um, just in hearing what Greg was sharing. You, you know what? Go ahead and have a seat, please. In hearing what Greg was sharing and hearing what Boga was sharing, um, I think the question, you know, for all of us is, okay, how do we apply this now? How do we do this? And um, I don't know about you. I think the only problem with being in a small group um, and in a church community and in a family are the other people who are in it. <laughs> it's always the hardest part, the conflict of personalities. And I was thinking, how do we really go and do this? And it really is. It's that tree. And even though that tree unwillingly went down, we willingly lay ourselves down. But what does that mean? And I was looking um, in uh, Philippians 2. And this is how we do it. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found as appearance, in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. I want to challenge us this week within our church family, another believer that we know that we may go like this with. It may be somebody in our own actual biological family. It may be somebody in our church community. It may be a colleague at work that's also a believer, but you don't just see eye to eye. I think what we need to do this week is um, find one act of service that we can provide to that person. Instead of meeting them like this, what we can do is think of one thing that we could do for that person. How can you, how can I perform an act of service for that person that will mean something to them, that will help them this week? Because that's what Christ did. He didn't come here to tell us how horrible all of us were. He did something about it. And we need to be useful in our faith and we need to lay down our egos and lay down our pride. It's not that you're wrong. It's just that it doesn't matter if you're right. We need to be of one love. Philippians says that. So does Bono. We need to be of one love. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. Was that you? Fantastic. It's like you call on his name and his music just starts playing. That was great. We need to be of one love in this week. Um, it comes from scripture. It's in Philippians. We need to be of one love, of one mind, of one spirit. And that's his. It's his. 
not what you think, what I think, what they think. It's what he thinks. One love, one mind, one spirit. His love, his mind, his spirit. And unfortunately, what's going to happen this week because this challenge came for us is somebody is somebody we know that's another believer. They're going to rub us the wrong way, and we're going to need to lay down ourselves this week, lay down our ego, lay down our agenda, lay down our pride. And I want to encourage you, when you lay yourself down, think of yourself as a bridge. You're not a doormat. You're a bridge. You are a bridge. And you are bridging the gap between where that person is and where you were. And you're laying down a bridge. All with the goal of one love. One love. Let me pray for us. Lord, what a privilege to meet freely, openly, to be able to say your name in public, to be able to have access to your word and study it wherever we want to study it. We are so lucky. We are so lucky. But Lord, I've been really mindful this week that in those countries where they can't openly say your name, they can't openly study your word. Lord, I bet that they act more like you than those of us here who can talk more like you. Help us to learn the opposite. Help us to be more like you, to be useful to you, to be a reflection of you. Lord, we look up and we say one love, one mind, one spirit, and it's yours, your agenda, not ours, Lord. Less of us is more of you. We lay ourselves down. We choose to humble ourselves before you. Lord, work through us this week, and I pray in your holy name that you will accomplish something in our relationships that is impossible apart from you. You can do it. We believe that you can do it, and I pray, Lord, this week that you will move in our lives individually in that thing that has been an impasse for us. I pray this week, Lord, that you will move and make a way where there was no way. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.